0: Thanks so much, Julie. Um, hey, church, there's this little thing we do. I don't know if you've noticed it. Um, so after the Bible's read, uh, oh, 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 there we go. After the Bible's read, first of all, there is no uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 22, so please note that. You didn't miss it in your Bibles. That's a typo, so that's, that's on me. But then when, when we're finished, we say, this is the word of the Lord, because why? Because it is, and you get to agree that it is by saying... Yeah, it's about the same level as last time. Let me try it again. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. Here we go. So I'm going to say, this is the word of the Lord. And you're going to say, Thank you, God. okay, that's good. I think, I think we should be thankful that it is actually the word of God. I'm going to uh, pray that we might receive it as such, and, uh, and we'll dive in. Heavenly Father, thanks so much for this living word of yours. Please help us today to understand it and give us courage to do what it says. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you've just joined us, we're in the middle of a series called our Vision Series, where we're going to be looking at our four values as a church. So over here on this banner over here, we talk about giving the message of new life, and we talk about living new life for Jesus. And we've got four values. We talk about being faithful, adventurous, compassionate, and enduring. And last week, we looked at our faithful value, being apprentices to Jesus. And this week... We're going to move to looking at our adventurous value, our second value. Now, if you haven't seen this little booklet here, it's on the back there. You can grab one. It tells you that our vision as a church is to see new life in Jesus come to every home. And for each of these values, we actually have a bunch of little questions that help us live it out. And so there are three questions under here, and I'm going to use them as we go through our sermon today through this passage to think about how to apply what we're learning today. So let me start off by presenting you with this magnificent picture. Um, I want you to have a look at it. Uh, Does anyone know what kind of buses they have in London, very famously? Call it out again? Double-decker. Okay, what has happened to this double-decker bus? My my son asked me, Dad, Dad, is it a fire engine bus? I said, no, no, it's not a fire engine bus. Uh, What has happened is the double-decker bus has tried to go underneath the bridge and has become a single-decker bus. Now, in the... um, in the uh, internet, there's a word, a word for this. It's called a fail. It might even be in the category of epic fail. Okay, it's uh, it is a disaster. Now, I want you to know that the Apostle Paul, who wrote this letter to Corinthians, had a similar feeling about Jesus. He was a Jew, somebody who loved the Scriptures and who thought he was being as obedient as possible to Jesus by obeying the law. When he looked at Jesus, he saw in him something very unattractive. Have a look with me at verse 16 of chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, have a look with me at verse 16. He says there, So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. In other words, there was a time where for Paul, Jesus was leading people astray. The truth is in obeying the law of God, as it's written in the Old Testament, and being a Pharisee, right? So Jesus is taking all these people over in this other way over here, he's leading people astray, and more than that, he's a rebel. The Romans crucified him, how can that possibly be God's saviour? And so Paul, full of passion and zeal, pursued the church and put followers of Jesus in jail. Paul used to regard Jesus from a worldly point of view. But he says here he does so no longer. I wonder if the same is for you. For many of the people in the world around us, they might think of Jesus as, uh, say, a philosopher, a Plato kind of thing. He's come up with some good ideas that maybe you could follow. Or alternatively, maybe he's just a really famous pacifist. Okay? You have to be pretty passive to be crucified. Okay? So maybe he's like Gandhi, just a pacifist. Okay? Or alternatively, maybe he's a popular leader who got right into his message and became a victim of his own success. Maybe someone like Martin Luther King Jr. Yeah? If that's the case, though, Jesus is just credible. He's just another person in history. He's not very special. In fact, he might be called a Jewish curiosity. Some ancient history happened with Jesus. But Paul says he no longer regards Jesus in this way. And so we see in verse 16 that something has changed his mind. What is it? He sees something different in Jesus now. Jesus, he sees, is not just a wandering teacher, but he's the Son of God. He's the word made flesh, the one that spoke creation into being, has taken up residence in humanity. He's the Passover lamb. He is the son of David. He's the resurrected ruler of the world, and he's the coming judge. Now when Paul looks at Jesus, he sees something totally different, not a failure, but the rightful king of the universe. When Paul looks at Jesus, he now sees Jesus Christ. Jesus meaning God saves, Christ meaning the King. Now Paul does not regard Jesus any longer from a worldly point of view. And so then he can say in verse 17, therefore if anyone is in Christ, that Jesus, if anyone's in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. I don't know if you know the name of our church. Does anyone know what our church is called? Well done, you're at the right place. So it's called New Life. Why is it called New Life? Well, two reasons. When I was thinking about this, I was thinking, who comes to Oren Park? People who want to build a new house in a new suburb, what have they come to do? They've come to start a, They've come to start a new life, right? And I want to, say to, I want to say to people, yeah, I want the name of our church to resonate with people who have come here for a fresh start. But there's so much more than new tiles, aren't there? There's so much new, better, better than landscaping your backyard. But that That isn't life. New life, truly new life is found in Jesus where we can say absolutely the old is gone. It no longer defines me. The new has come. That's what's on offer in Jesus. A fresh start from our sins. They no longer define us. You can be made new. So I thought I might call the church rather than Oran Park Anglican Church. And since no one stopped me, I decided to call the church New Life because it's what we're about and it's the offer we have for the world. New life. It's not found anywhere else. But this new creation needs reconciliation. And reconciliation needs three things. This word comes up again and again, and we've got it beautifully up here. And I think you said in the previous service, Michael, you went for reconciled because reconciliation kind of didn't fit on the... Yeah, no, that's great. But we are reconciled. So what does it need to be reconciled? Well, number one, you need to have a prior relationship. See, reconcile, do again, bring back. If there's no relationship, right? No relationship to break, you can't be reconciled. If I meet you for the first time, I can't say, we're going to be reconciled. That doesn't work. There has to be a prior relationship. Secondly, and tragically, there needs to be pain and estrangement. Now in the garden this beautiful picture of creation there at the top in the garden God and people dwelt together yeah in perfect relationship so men and women relating well relating to their heavenly father and relating to the created order everything broke when we said to God we prefer to run it our own way and we think you're holding out on us and that is no small deal death broke into the world And we went from being sons and daughters walking without shame in the new creation to being those who are hiding from God, ashamed of our sin and, tragically, now enemies of God. In that situation, that could have been the last word. It could have been just that God was angry forever with humanity, but he did so much more. He put in place a way through Jesus for reversal and restoration. Reconciliation needs to reverse and restore that broken relationship. And so we see in Jesus this happening. But let me tell you guys, if you take the pain of sin out of your gospel, if you take the fact that God is okay, he's kind of ambivalent about sin, and you put that in its place, you don't have reconciliation. There are churches you could go to which would say, your sin's not that much of a big deal. It's all kind of culturally defined. Do what you would like. God's basically loving. Do you know what can't happen in those churches? Reconciliation cannot happen in those churches because there's no distance between God and people. Do you see? We're all going to be okay. It'll come out all right in the wash. What if I tell you that you're enemies of God until your sons and daughters again? That you and I are facing the wrath of God unless somebody steps in to save us. In that case, reconciliation is not only possible, but needed, isn't it? So if there's no pain, if we don't recognize any distance between God and us, then there's no reconciliation to be offered. But we see something wonderful in this passage. Have a look with me again at these words. They're absolutely beautiful. Have a look at who takes the initiative. So we sinned, we said to God, well, we've got this, thanks God, we'll take it our own way. We did that, and God could have rightly judged us, but he doesn't. He says, I will take the initiative. Have a look with me at verse 18. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. God made him, have a look at verse 21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. See, here's the thing. We were God's enemies. We didn't deserve to be his sons and daughters, but God moved first. He stepped towards us in the person of his son. It's extraordinary, right? Right? The message is extraordinary. It's not found anywhere else. And the message has a vertical and then a horizontal. And this is really great, right? Here's the thing. God makes me saved because of Jesus. So God and I can be right. But then he commits to us the message of reconciliation. So there must be a horizontal expression to my reconciliation. I'm made right with God. I must work at making the message of reconciliation work with others, the vertical and the horizontal. That's what we see in Jesus. So if we get that message, if we get that radical idea, how much of our lives should it impact? How much of our lives should it impact? I've told you the message of God is reconciling the whole world to himself in Jesus and it should get an hour and a half on Sunday. Now you're all here. I I shouldn't beat you up, should I? I should celebrate with you. Because you're doing well, right? But it can't just be for an hour and a half on Sunday, can it? You sound convinced. That's good. It can't be. If there is new life for the whole world that has been won for us, it must matter. How is the kingdom of God shaping our time, how we use our time, the talents that we have, and the treasure that God has entrusted to our care. I said this in the, in the, in the service before, and I'm glad I've got my watch back on. Um, I, I've heard it said, give me your wallet and your watch, and I will tell you who your God is. Are you with me? Give me your wallet and your watch, and I will tell you who your God is. Because what you do with this, they say that the, the wallet is the last thing to be converted. Have you heard that before? No, but it's nice to have you chuckling along with me, right? Okay, so, so we get saved, and we go, I'm all in for Jesus, and maybe we start going to church on Sunday, that's part of our time, Great. And then maybe you really stretch and you get a life group in as well midweek. Brilliant. So now I'm, 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 my, my whole time is changed. And then you think, man, I could be a partner in New Life. I could help here. I'll bring my talents to bear for the kingdom. How brilliant. Oh, you want my money? No, God doesn't want my money, does he? I'm giving him all of my time and my talent. I'm not giving him all of it. I'm giving him a small part of it, but I'm giving you so much already, God, you don't want that. I mean, I've got a holiday and my kids edu- I mean So here's a question. If someone grabbed your calendar and they grabbed your bank statement, would there be enough evidence in there to convict you of being a Christian? If the answer to that is no, guess what? Jesus loves you, it's okay. But, but we can't let that go on, can we? If you've got the world-changing message of reconciliation, you've been made right with God and he has asked you to be part of his plan, then let's not look very different to the world and keep going as we were before. It doesn't follow, does it? So how is the kingdom of God transforming, impacting your time, your talents, and your treasure. How is that happening, church? We've got to see that more and more. And I tell you, if you change those things, if you change those things, it will be an adventurous life. Because the world's already decided what you should do with all those things, and if you go the other direction, something truly amazing will be happening, a truly adventurous life. Now, I want to tell you about um, a thing that happened momentous thing that happened almost exactly 38 years ago to the day. In 1984, Nike signed on the 26th of October Michael Jordan to be an ambassador for Nike. Isn't that amazing? And you're going, why are you telling me this, Stuart? Right? That's okay. Well let me draw the long bow. I'll see if I see if I can bring it back. Okay. So here's the thing. Nike wanted to break into the basketball market and Jordan was a pretty up-and-coming young thing, turned out to be the greatest player of all time. So a good signing by Nike, right? But they signed him up and they said, we will give you some, some money. They gave him $500,000 when he started. That was five times more than any athlete had ever earned for a shoe contact before. It's a lot of money. As soon as he stepped onto the court with these shoes on, the NBA started finding him. Because Converse were the people who were owning the whole of the NBA. And so every time he walked on court, he got fined. But it was brilliant publicity, and Nike paid all their fines and went through the roof as a company. Okay? There were new benefits, but there were new responsibilities. Michael was owned by Nike and had to do all this stuff for them. He'd signed on board, he had new benefits, but he also had new responsibilities. Now, I'm going to draw a really long bow and take you back to the Bible. Have a look with me at verses 18... And following, All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Look with me here. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Do you see this? God signed you up. You received the benefits. I said the guys at the 845 service, the retirement benefits are out of this world. It's a little joke. You See, that's quite funny. No, right, great, right. okay. There are lots of benefits of being a believer. We do get our past deleted. You do get to meet a family of God. You do get an amazing amount of benefits in this life and the next. But you have responsibilities as well. So who's included in this message? Well, it says, if you have a look with me at verse 19, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. So the whole world is included. What is entrusted to us? We see it again in verse 19. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. So the word of God has been given to us. Was it a mistake for God to call you his ambassadors? And the church says... Yeah, but you're secretly saying yes, aren't you? Was it a mistake, God, to sign us up as ambassadors? The answer is, of course, no. And the reason I've got the, um, the, the guy in the um, army outfit there, I think what happens in church is, if we were to take up a poll right now and we say, who in this church should be ambassadors for Jesus, we could name, say, three people and go, I reckon they would be our, our ambassadors. And what we're trying to say then is, please don't look at me. I don't want any responsibility. I've got the people in mind who could be our ambassadors. And they become like the special forces of the church. Do you know what I mean? Like the the elite troops that we drop into heavy combat areas. They're the freaks, the weirdos. They can be our ambassadors, yeah? And the rest of us, we'll pray for them. Is that right? Except that's not God's plan. That is not what he did. He entrusted to you the message of reconciliation and he did not make a mistake. Because no one else is where you are, no one else has your responsibilities, no one else is in your workplace, your retirement village, no one is in your network of friends, no one else except you, and God has an ambassador to those people to take the message of reconciliation and it's you, and he didn't make a mistake. How will this happen? Have a look with me at verse 20, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God was making his appeal through us. How is God going to get the message of reconciliation out? If we won't speak. Imagine, I've had my hand sprayed to sign up to this, right? It's beautiful. I love it. I'm not going to wash it off for a long time, right? But but here's the thing. Imagine God took you aside one-on-one and said, I've chosen you to be my ambassador. God's hand was placed on your head. He prayed over you and said, you are going to be my ambassador. You will speak for me. And then you go, thanks God, that was really moving and exciting and I will never speak of you again. It would be a tragedy, wouldn't it? So brothers and sisters, when we are entrusted with this message of new life, I want to ask you, how are you boldly sharing your life and faith? And if the answer is, I'm not yet, then be encouraged. There are more opportunities left. God has an opportunity for you to do it. And we have a plan to help you. You know, people go, I don't know how to give the message of new life. I wouldn't know where to start. We say, well, start with connecting. Connect to somebody. And and then care for them. Find a way to be a blessing to them. And then communicate. Speak clearly about Jesus. And when you've done that, don't just put a notch in your belt and say, I spoke to someone, finally. I'm all done. Don't stop there. Pray that God would help you to lead them to commit to Jesus as King. It's a really simple pathway, and I want to encourage you that you can do it. Now, guys, this is my favourite online shop. Does anyone know what this is? Caro does. What is it, Caro? Wiggle. Wiggle. Okay, and everyone goes, is that like a thing for kids? No, it's an online bike store, okay? Brilliant, okay? It has everything a young cyclist could want, or even a middle-aged one like me, Um And you know, how exciting. I can look at that for hours, but then in my email, this comes in and it says your gold loyalty discount has tripled to 15%. What must I do, church? Sorry? Spend money, or alternatively, if you really want to whiz it up, save money, yeah? You've got to take advantage of that to save money. But I want you to see, what's the energy for me getting onto this, because it's pretty urgent. Uh, Can you see up there it says limited time only? Man, it's a limited time offer. I've got to get into it, don't I? Some of you are nodding encouragement. I received that, Kara. I hope you've seen that. This is happening in church, so that's great. Now, you're going, you just told me about your weird online shopping and the fact that you're a lycra-cladded cyclist, so how can that possibly relate to the Bible? Come with me to uh, chapter 6, verses 1 to 2. As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, In the time of my favor, I heard you. In the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. If we look at my overview of the Bible, this is the Old Testament here, runs from creation all the way through to return from exile. This is the New New Testament here, Jesus' birth, death, resurrection, up to the new creation. If we look at that and we zoom in on the New Testament and you say, Where are we on the Bible timeline? I would say that today is here. We are after the birth of Jesus. He has died. He has risen again. The Holy Spirit has come, but he is yet to return in judgment, and we have not seen the new creation. Are you with me? So when is today? Today is in the beautiful window before the judgment of God with all the resources of heaven available. Today is the day of salvation. It's a limited time offer. Yeah? One day when Jesus returns in judgment, we will stand before the judgment seat of God and we won't be able to change our minds. You have breath today, use it well. So what do we do? What are we praying for that only God can do in this special day that we have today? Well, I want to ask that we might pray for God's mercy We have a little card we use, we call it our 316441 card. It helps us to pray, you can pick one up at the back, at the end of the service. It helps us to pray for a family member, a friend, a next door neighbour and someone we're yet to meet. Pray that they might know the mercy of God. Because they still have time, don't they? Secondly, we can take another step. You can think, I'm in this relationship with my friend and I love them and I've cared for them to bits, but we are stalled right here at care and I've never spoken to them clearly about Jesus. And I would say to you, pray like crazy that we would use today to speak about Jesus. Thirdly, you might be able to invite someone to come along. We've got a gingerbread night coming up for the girls. Sorry, boys, you don't get to make gingerbread. That's a shame. But invite them to come along. Use today to invite them to hear the good news about Jesus. Or you can invite them to Carol's, 15th of December. The whole suburb is invited. We'd love to see you there. We'd love to see them there. Invite. This is the sort of thing that we can do with today. Now, guys, the tide of this world is running out hard, isn't it? It is going hard towards all the things that Michael was sharing. Make it hard to be a godly man. They also make it hard to be a godly woman. Is that right? Our world, the tide is going out. And I've said it before, but even a dead dog can swim with the tide. Are you with me, church? Even a dead dog can swim with the tide because it's just rushing out. If you want an adventurous life, if you want to truly stand out in this world, you go the other direction. You swim upstream. You say, I won't stand for the standards of this world. I'm going to stand for Jesus. That's where the adventurous life is found. Not easy, but adventurous. And so I want to ask you, who would do that? Only those who have met the real Jesus. Who would do that? Only those who truly found new life in him. So what will we do if we're going to live this adventurous life? Put the kingdom first. Now, we see this with America at the moment, don't we? Apparently, we get signs like this, make America first again. Now, that's kind of despicable, but how about we do something more awesome, which is make Jesus first. Church? Yeah, right. I'm not Trumpy, thankfully, and you don't have placards. But imagine if you were seriously committed with me to say, let's put the kingdom of God first as a group of people. Wouldn't that be great? What, What about if we were being adventurous by representing the king wherever we were as his ambassadors. Some of you might like to do it down on uh, the oval down there when we're doing carols in our blue shirts as partners. Um, That's a fantastic way to do it. But I want to say to all of you, you can be an ambassador for Jesus in your family and amongst your friends. You can be an ambassador for Jesus where you work, whether it's with a drop saw or a latte and a laptop. Bring Jesus to where you are. Not that he needs you to take him there, he's already there, but take him there in your heads. Be ambassadors for him where you are. And thirdly, it would be adventurous if we started to pray that God's kingdom would come and that he would fill it up with believers who are brand new from all around us. 2019 is going to be a great year. We want to give you more space in your life by doing less programmed activity here at church. We're doing that for two reasons. We want to help you to go deeper with Jesus, and we want to help you to go deeper with others. If you do that in 2019, I reckon that'll be pretty adventurous. How about I pray we do that? Heavenly Father, you are a good and gracious God. You've given us an extraordinary message that we've tried to live out in some small way, even this morning. Father, we pray that we might be reconciled with you in the vertical and that we might be ambassadors of reconciliation in the horizontal. Help us, Father, to live in this way, for Jesus' sake. Amen. I'm going to invite Tom up to tell us about our Caring Connect cards. Thanks, mate.